Maya back again, guys. I have one more update for y'all. My Take now has a Patreon. I'm trying to expand the My Take community and also expand my earnings a little bit by creating a Patreon. We have three tiers, and in the top tier, we're actually starting a My Take book club. So anybody who joins, we're going to be reading a book together a month, and there's going to be monthly live streams and Discord benefits. So I'd really, really, really appreciate it if you could go check it out. The link is in the show notes. Hey guys, it's Maya, and I just wanted to jump on here and promote my takes Instagram really quick because we're doing a lot of fun things. I'm doing more posts, more stories, and I also have to say I've started a new series called The Bottom Shelf, and it's video reviews, IGTV video reviews, and I think they're super fun, and they're all on the Instagram, so go follow my take on social media and specifically on Instagram at underscore my take. So I was kind of really disappointed by this book, which is really sad because it's such a classic rom-com and those are my thing, you know? It's The Proposal by Jasmine Gilroy, which follows Nick, who gets proposed to at a Dodgers game, and she says no, and then after she says no, it's, like, really chaotic, and she meets Carlos, who helps her, like, avoid a bunch of people and escape the game. And the book was good, but it was not my favorite, and also it's objectively not smutty enough for the premise. So, I have a lot of feelings. Books, TV, music, and movies. All things that make a big impact on everyone. I'm constantly gushing about Melendez Reed to anyone who will listen, so I figured I'd turn my rambling into something coherent that people will actually listen to, which means no tuning out halfway through. I'm Maya Ghosh, and this is my take. always with a book we're going to start with a little bit on the writing and the writing was okay but it was kind of where my first issue with the book came along because it felt a little like young or underdeveloped like the author uses all caps for emphasis way too often like even in the first couple chapters it's like in all caps so many times and I'm like there's other ways to show emphasis you can like if you're gonna do it once or twice that's fine as a device and especially if you're gonna do it throughout the book like skip a couple chapters do it again that's fine but it just came up so much in the beginning I was like there's other ways like italicize shit or I don't know, use exclamation points or use body language to show emphasis. Like, there's so many other ways to do it. And also, the chapters are very long, and I don't need James Patterson short chapters. Like, he writes the teeniest chapters known to man, but they were definitely on the longer end, especially for a rom-com, because I feel like rom-coms are supposed to be accessible and easy to read, and this book was, but when you have such a long chapter, sometimes it gets daunting. So, that was another thing, and like I said in the intro, it's objectively not smutty enough, because the whole premise is that after Carlos saves her from the game, they're like, okay, we're gonna do casual, like, friends with benefits, but it's fade to black, and there should be a law that friends with benefits can't be fade to black because we see them like making out and stuff but then all of the fun actual smut stuff is fade to black and it's like no if your premise is going to be friends with benefits you need to have smut you need to have good smut because that's the whole point is they're just casually hooking up and like 
smut is a big part of that. So I was very disappointed because I was like, there was so much potential here, but it just didn't pan out. So the writing was not my favorite. And now moving on to the plot, we start at the game and the proposal, and it's like an objectively terrible proposal. Like public proposals, in my opinion, are okay on a small scale. So like at a restaurant where there's other people or at a beach or a park or somewhere where it's like a public space, but it's not like all eyes are going to be on you while you do this kind of thing, right? It just, like, happens to be a public space, that's fine, especially if it's a public space that's meaningful to your relationship or it's, like, your favorite place or whatever, but public proposals at, like, events scare me, and, like, those should not happen because that's so much pressure and it's such a big deal, and if it goes bad, whatever, like, it's just, like, don't do a proposal in, like, a public, public space, you know? And, you need to have been dating for more than five weeks, and you need to have discussed marriage. Like, there's so many things wrong. You need to be able to know how to spell your partner's name. Like, there's so many things wrong with this proposal besides the fact that it's just, like, a very public proposal, but the fact that it is a very public proposal is, like, something I didn't appreciate about it. But then, Carlos and Angela swoop in, and it's, like, the pinnacle of bystander intervention, and it was kind of, like, maybe the highlight of the book for me, because everything else goes downhill with their relationship and stuff, but I love that he gave credit to, like, his cousin and was like, oh, yeah, my cousin, this happened to her or whatever, like, I love the whole bystander intervention aspect of the book, like, that was really great, and so, like, we're starting off on a good foot, but then they all go to the bar And, okay, I love Dana and Courtney. They're super funny, and I love them for suggesting rebound sex with Carlos. Like, that was great. And then Carlos and Nick do email back and forth and eventually go out to Thai food. And then Carlos comes back with Nick to check her apartment for Fisher, her ex, which, first of all, gross name. Why would you ever, like, even if you were just hooking up with a guy named Fisher, like, no. But this is where my biggest issue kind of came in because I hated Carlos's whole, I take care of everyone, I'm the man of the family, everyone relies on me so I can't have a life thing, especially when he takes it so far as, like, he's a doctor but he won't even go to the doctors and get a checkup. Like, he should know the importance of going to the doctor but he won't do it. It's so stupid. And it's, like, this whole I need to take care of everybody to the point where I don't have a life is not sexy. Like, it's, I don't care. I don't, like, yes, there's a whole aspect of, like, it's cool to be, like, swept up and a guy, like, taking care of you or a partner, like, taking care of you, but it's only good when you have your own lives kind of thing. Like, we can take care of ourselves, and if you want a person around, we don't want you to, like, drop everything and show up at a dime. Like, it just, I hated the extreme that he took it to, and I hate when people are like that, especially with, like, you see it a lot with male romance heroes, and it's like, oh, I can't get involved with anybody because this personal tragedy happened so long ago. That's the other thing is, like, it's not like his dad just died and they're in the grieving process, right? If that had happened, I would have maybe understood it, right? But it's been five years, and not that that grief doesn't still hurt, but people have learned to adapt their lives to the absence of his father. And he's surrounded by strong women. His sister, his cousin, his mom, and his aunt are all super strong women from what we see of them. So it's like they've learned to adapt and they don't need you to be at their beck and call every second of every day. Like, it's so stupid that he's got it in his head that he has to be around for them because he's the man of the family. Like, it's such bullshit. Like, I can take care of myself and I don't want you 
Like, it just, no. I, I just, I hated it. Like, no. Like, also, even if he had that idea, like, relationships are partnerships, so if he was with a good person, like Nick, like we see towards the end of the book, she would be fine with him racing off to help his family if it really was an emergency, right? Like, we see that with the enchilada thing. So, it's just so fucking stupid that all of this happens and that this is his mentality because I hate it. And it was a huge turnoff for me. I was like, okay, I don't like him anymore because he has this mentality and it's so fucking stupid. But that was a lot to say for something that's very early on in the book because then... Nick takes Dana and Courtney to a self-defense class, which I really love, and after that, she runs into Carlos at the bookstore and helps him pick up books for Jesse, who's on bed rest, and they also go to Courtney's cupcake shop for cupcakes, and then later on, there's an emergency at the shop, and so they have to drive cupcakes, and they run out of gas on their way back, and so they get stuck, and they call AAA, and in between calling AAA and the AAA guy getting there, they're, like, really making out in his car and get caught by the AAA guy, so that was pretty funny. And then they go back to her place, and they have sex, but not only was the smut not there, it felt very rushed and kind of gross. Like, the thing about romance novels is that it's supposed to be nice and happy and fun and you can have like fast dirty whatever sex right like it can be rushed but the writing doesn't usually feel rushed right like even if it's something that's happening so quickly for the characters you see like their emotions and their feelings and so it's like it doesn't feel rushed to the reader even if it's like something that is actually happening very quickly whereas with this it felt very rushed and I was like why like it just all of the smut in this book was like not it for me and then Carlos takes her to his favorite taqueria and she passes like the taco test and it was very funny for me reading this chapter because well first off Nick at this point says that she doesn't eat chicken breast and this confuses the fuck out of me because how do you not eat chicken breast like, if you're not a vegetarian, how do you not eat chicken breast? Like, it's, I feel like it's one of the most common meats. And this segues into my second thing of, I don't eat beef because I'm half Indian, and so Hindus don't eat beef. And I'm not very religious, but my dad doesn't eat beef, so I don't eat beef on kind of principle. And so I would totally fail this taco test because he literally orders, like, every single part of the cow and then carnitas. Like, the only thing I would have been able to eat was carnitas. And it's, like, he literally, it's so weird. He orders, like, every single fucking part of this cow. And I'm, like, I was imagining myself in Nick's place. I would have been, like, he probably would have just dumped me then and there if I'd been, like, oh, I don't eat beef, you know? Like, it's so weird. But then they hook up again and it's fade to black and I still don't like it. And then after finally having sex twice, they have the like, oh, this is going to be casual conversation. But then Carlos invites her to his place, which he never does. Big shock. The guy who like has to take care of everybody has walls up and he never invites women over to his place because it's too much of a commitment. But he invites her over to his place and makes her risotto and talks about her writing and talks about his dad, and then she falls asleep on him while he watches the game, which that part was pretty cute, and I liked it, and then the next morning, he makes her breakfast in bed, but they're still, like, laboring under these delusions that they're casual. Like, it's so fucking stupid, because you've had sex twice, and you're, like, hanging out all the time, and then you're, like, oh, but it's casual, but then, like, you're doing things that are clearly not casual, 
And then Nick goes, like, okay, they've defined this as casual, but Nick goes to dinner with Carlos and his best friends, Drew and Alexa. And then because Nick talks to Carlos, Carlos finally talks to Angie about their dad and stuff, which he's never done in five years. He's never talked about his dad, which, like, why? I feel like you should have done that a long time ago. And then in the midst of all this, we learn that Dana is dating their self-defense class instructor. And I will talk more about Natalie later because I love Natalie and I want a book on Natalie. But not by this author because I feel like it wouldn't be done justice. Anyways, and then Nick is over at Carlos's house helping him make a ton of enchiladas for his family when Jesse goes into labor and it's super early. So Carlos rushes off to the hospital. Nick stays and finishes cooking the enchiladas and she also has to make the call to Angie about what's going on and when she talks to Carlos he's like oh we're starving and like anxious. So she brings over a bunch of the enchiladas for the family and Carlos is like pissed when she gets there which I'm like you're not acting like this is casual like you don't get to just say it's casual and then bring that label up whenever it's convenient for you you know what I mean like you're not acting like it's casual and then when she does a super like an objectively super nice thing and like saying you were starving so bringing you this food at the hospital in your time of need and you're just like fucking pissed because now you want to bring up the casual label after you brought her breakfast in bed and invited her over to your house and stuff like it's just so fucking stupid the way he responded to this because then he finally realizes like oh I like having her here like yeah no fucking shit you like having her here because you're in love with her but also I didn't say you're in love with her in my head when I was reading this it was just a fucking mess but we'll get to the whole like why I was like not saying he was in love with her because Jesse and the baby are okay which obviously it's a rom-com I wasn't really holding out hope for like being scared. I mean, I was a little scared, but I was like, it's a rom-com. They can't introduce that kind of grief right now. Like, the baby and Jesse are going to be okay. And then that night, they go back to Carlos's house, and they hook up, obviously. And Carlos wakes up and decides that he's in love with her and that they're in a relationship. And yes, from the outsider's point of view, this is clear. Like I just said, no fucking shit, you're in love with her. But this was not what I was thinking when I was reading it, when I was reading it, I was more wrapped up in the, like, why are you so fucking pissed and, like, trying to keep up with his mood swings because his mood swings gave me whiplash. But, like, I didn't appreciate the way he just kind of sprung this on her. Like, they were saying we're going to be casual and we're doing this. And yes, you're, like, not acting like you're casual, but you're saying you have this casual label and you were so fucking pissed when she showed up at the hospital, which is more casual vibes. So you would want to, like, not declare this. First of all, you'd want to, like, ease Nick into this. And if you're not going to ease Nick into this, you would think you'd want to have, like, a conversation about this and lay this out and be like, hey, I kind of realize this is how I'm feeling. Do you feel the same way? Do you think you could feel the same way? Where do you want to go? I want more. Do you want more? Are you okay with this? Not just saying, I'm in love with you. We're dating, by the way, right? Like, you can't just bring that on a person when you're, like, Yes, you're acting one way, but you're talking another way. And Nick clear, very clearly is like, okay, whatever, it's casual. So I, I didn't like that he just sprung all of this on her because it felt very rushed and forced and like they were just trying to pigeonhole like an I love you scene in here. And then my bigger issue comes from his reaction because Nick is like, she just woke up. It was a crazy day yesterday. Now you're springing all of this on her. And she's like, I care for you. Which, it wasn't even like she was dumping him. She was just like, I care for you and I don't really know what to do. And it's a crazy situation. And then he goes off and out of fucking nowhere.
lawyer accuses her of a using him to practice interview techniques which is such fucking bullshit i don't even know where he pulled that out of his ass because like why how what like she just you have conversations like even though you're casual you hang out all the fucking time you have conversations and she was never prying she was conversing and then he's like oh well you're nick and you get off on rejecting guys who fall for you like fuck you you don't know her past you heard about the proposal and how shitty it was you heard the fucking fisher didn't spell her name right like you knew how shitty the proposal list is and you're just pulling this out of your fucking ass like it makes no sense especially because she doesn't even reject you she's like i care for you and maybe i'll grow to love you can you let me sit with this and he just goes fucking ape shit like it's so stupid and chaotic and i hate it so much and like literally before this before he says anything he's like you don't have to say it back he like he literally tells her he's like it's okay you don't have to say it back and then she's like i care for you and he's like you care for me and gets so pissed it's so stupid i would dump him so fucking hard after this like i would just be done i'd be like cutting my losses leaving bye i hate you and then later we finally see the self-reflection on like why he loves nick and that should have been in the initial thing because like i said it kind of felt like they were just trying to like shoehorn this in and i didn't really believe him when he said he loved her but then when you see the reflection i'm like okay yeah maybe he does actually love her but i wish it would have been ordered differently so he would have actually like reflected on it and then maybe blurted it out and told her in a different way it was just handled so chaotically and i don't like it and then in the midst of all of this nick interviews natalie from the gym and like i said i love natalie and i love her story and I feel like we got like a lot a decent amount of Natalie content but I would read like a book about her story because she's a math major and then she works at a gym and she's asking all these questions she becomes a personal trainer and then she meets who ends up being her husband as one of her clients and you see his like emotional abuse and stuff we don't see it very vividly but you hear Natalie retelling this emotional abuse stuff and how she had to like flee and then finally got her divorce and started this gym and it's this really cool amazing story and I would have loved to read a story like that like I said I don't want Jasmine Gilroy to write it because I feel like she wouldn't do it justice but then we can't have this story because Natalie is her character that she's created so it's a little difficult because yeah I love Natalie and I love that story and I love her story and it's so empowering and I love it for her and Natalie actually might have been my favorite character in this book um but then again it's really weird that after this fisher just shows up at her apartment and he is both like a racist asshole and just a general asshole because he shows up and he's like i wanted you to realize the mistake you were making by not accepting this proposal because i need your help and every time i was at parties with you people would be like oh he's probably not that bad because he has this black girlfriend or whatever and she's super smart and intelligent so he has to be kind of smart and intelligent and so it's so weird the way he phrases it because he's like i want you to realize the mistake you're making because i suffer when we're not together like it's so fucking stupid and i don't even know why he needs to be here because yes we see the moment of nick using her newfound self-defense skills to punch him but it's not that big of an emotional growth moment for nick it doesn't feel like like it just fisher is so obviously like fucking 
idiotic and racist and an asshole that like there's no personal growth in Nick realizing oh yeah like I'm glad I dodged a bullet with that one like yes she punches him but you very easily could have put her in a different situation where she had to punch somebody else or you know like even if she didn't ha- she didn't have to punch anybody she was learning a lot from the self-defense class and so you didn't need to put her in a situation where she had to punch somebody like self-defense classes are not Chekhov's gun as far as I know I don't know but like you know I didn't feel the need the scene felt so like because we went from the chaos of the I love you thing to the chaos of Carlos's reflections on love to then the really cool interesting deep story of Natalie to then this another chaotic moment that didn't feel like it needed to be here like I wish stuff might have been reordered or whatever or like I don't know it just felt unnecessary especially with where Nick was in her arc I felt like it was maybe something that should have come earlier when she was actually having a good time with Carlos or something and they were, like, doing their whole casual thing. So, yeah, that was really weird, and then Nick goes to the grocery store and realizes she's in love with Carlos, so she goes home, or she goes to his place, and sets up a TV that says, I love you, and we learn that Carlos has gone to the doctor and stuff, and all is right in the world, but you can't have a book that is called The Proposal, and yes, I know it starts with a proposal, but the, there's no epilogue that ends with a proposal. Like, you would think, you know, start with a proposal, end with a proposal, but no. Like, it's so fucking annoying. I was so mad because I was like, okay, yeah, we're going to get an epilogue. We're going to see his proposal. It's going to be great. But they don't do that. Also, the whole thing with the TV and it pretending to be a Jumbotron was, like, kind of cute because, you know, they met at a Dodgers game and stuff. But also, like, why would you take something that happened in your old relationship, right? Like, Fisher was the one who did the whole Jumbotron thing. Why are you trying to carry that over into this new relationship? Like, I get it. It's paying homage to, like, how you met and stuff. It just felt weird to me that that was the way you were choosing to go with this. So, to wrap up this episode, uh, I was disappointed because it's such a classic rom-com and I'd heard such good things. And Jasmine Gilroy has so many books out. Like, I think The Wedding Date and, like, Party for two or something like she's a bunch of books and I keep walking past them in Barnes and Noble and almost buying one of them and I finally actually did buy the proposal and it was just not it for me Carlos gave me whiplash with how quick he was changing his emotions and there was not a lot of character growth that didn't feel like they had really full and complete arcs and if they did I missed them because I feel like they were not like story elements were not in the right place and stuff and the smut was very disappointing And sadly, because of this, I don't think I'm going to read anything else by her, especially because authors tend to write smut. Actually, I was going to say authors tend to write smut in the same way every time, which is kind of true. But also, Christina Lauren has some old books that are, like, super smutty, and now their books are, like, less smutty. Well, I read The Unhoneymooners. This is the only thing I've read by her, or by them. But I've read, like, a preview of, like, Beautiful Bastard or something, and that was, like, super smutty even in the preview, so I don't know. Authors, I guess, can, like, evolve the way they write smut, but Jasmine Gilroy's written a lot of things very recently, and so my guess would be all the smut is very similar, so I don't want to read more books like that, and I don't want to be disappointed, and there's better rom-coms that I can read. So, yeah, I have been Maya Gosh, and this has been my take on The Proposal by Jasmine Gilroy. Thanks for listening. So we're kind of a one-woman show here at My Take, so the credits are not going to be very long. This podcast is produced and edited 
um, by me. I do all of my own social media. The only person I really have to thank is one of my great friends, Paris, who did the music that is in the intro and that you're listening to now. So thank you, Paris, and thank you all for listening. You can reach me at underscore my take on Twitter and Instagram. And please leave a rate or review wherever you listen to this podcast. That helps a ton. So yeah, thanks for listening.